In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. A few years ago, I spent a summer living alongside the Brothers of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, which is a monastic community of the Episcopal Church nestled along the Charles River in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that community had become familiar to me in the time preceding it, as I had gone there many times on retreat, found it a good place to reflect and to pray, and it was important to me in my discernment. And so I thought that that would be a good place to spend some time as a bridge in between working full-time and going off to a study and seminary. But what I soon learned a few days into that internship is that being on retreat at the monastery is quite an altogether different thing than working at the monastery. Turns out being a monk is actually quite hard. And so after several mornings of getting up at like 4 or 5 a.m. and packed days that went on and on, I began to wonder if this internship would in fact allow me the reflective space I was hoping for, the prayer and the stillness. Well, it turns out that, if I'm being honest, that the internship did in fact allow time for prayer and for stillness. I just wasn't all that good at taking up on it. You see, for better or for worse, my Protestant work ethic is pretty deeply ingrained. And I love to-do lists and I love checking every box, often to the detriment of prayer and stillness and the time I was supposed to make a priority. And so this pattern continued until eventually uh, one of the brothers stopped me in the middle of the internship to check in. It was a come to Jesus meeting of sorts, you might say. And the way he decided to check in was by way of a story that he decided to tell me. And that story came from a collection of sayings from the Desert Fathers, which if you don't know it, it's basically just a collection of anecdotes and reflections and parables that are attributed to the earliest Christian monks, uh, men and women who lived lives of austerity out in the wilderness, hoping that that would draw them closer to God. And so in this story that the brother told me, so it goes that there are 11 out of 12 novices, and a novice is just a baby monk, it's a new monk, uh, who approach an older monk who is their leader. And these younger monks are hurt because it seems to them that the abbot clearly has a favorite among them, whose name is Mark. His name is Mark. And so in an effort to explain the nature of his affection to the 11 other novices, the older monk visits each of their cells saying, brother so-and-so, come here, I need you. But none of them immediately came. However, upon coming to Mark's cell, he knocked and he said, Mark, and upon hearing the old man's voice, the young monk jumped at a moment's notice. 
And then the old man sent him away to run an errand, which he did. And then by around this time, all the other, the other 11 novices finally did turn up. And when they did, the abbot took the 11 other novices into Mark's room. And in that room, he pointed to a book that Mark was in the middle of transcribing. You see, Mark had begun to write an omega, begun to write a letter. But so great was Mark's devotion to the old man that he stopped the very second that the abbot called his name. So deep was Mark's affection for his elder that he ran to him before finishing a letter, let alone a word. It was in that moment that I got the point the brother was trying to make to me with that story. It was in that moment that I realized that up until that point that I had gotten my priorities all wrong and that I was running and chasing after the wrong kinds of things when I should have been running and chasing after higher things, better things. In our gospel passage for today, we hear a relatively short selection of verses pulled from a scene that I think many of us know well. It's the Last Supper, the supper we traditionally lift up on Monday, Thursday. And so in between washing the disciples' feet and his departure to Gethsemane, where he is eventually arrested, comes this farewell discourse that John 15 falls right in the middle of. And there's a lot that's there, but one thing, one thing that I want to lift up for us is Jesus's description of the character of discipleship, the character of discipleship and what it prioritizes. You see, we're supposed to be a people who are completely soaked through with divine love, according to John 15. We're supposed to abide and, it, and we're supposed to make our home in that love. And as we heard last week, in the way that branches are connected to a vine, Jesus describes how God's love can really be transforming. And it's through abiding in this love, through this transformation, that Christ's disciples are then empowered. They're empowered to carry on his mission through radical acts of service in the spirit of the same self-giving love that Jesus embodied to the point, to the point that some of them even lay down their lives for it. And along that vein, if we were to read on just a little bit further in John, beyond the verses that are appointed for today, what we would hear is a warning, a warning that says that if you choose to shun the world's terms in favor of living on God's terms, that you too will find the world conspiring after you in the same way that it conspired against God in the person of Jesus. Because whether we are cognizant of it or not, in ways big and small, the world is often working overtime to make its value supreme, which is precisely why I began with the story that I told you see, the first few weeks at the monastery were a real challenge for me. They were a real challenge because I could only seem to hear my name when it was the world who was calling after me. And because of that, I responded in kind with the world's values. You see, even in a monastery, I really struggled to hear God. And I really struggled to respond to God and the values that I was taught to respond with. 
And so over and over again, I responded in kind to the world and those values of productivity and output and achievement. And I chose those values over God's values, which place prayer as the eternal starting point. God's values would strike a balance between action and work and contemplation and make the great command to love others as the focus of our being. In short, for the first few weeks of my internship, it was like, it was like I was trying to run Apple software on a PC. It was like I was trying to run Apple software on a PC and the moment this brother stopped me to tell the story was the moment that the whole system just kind of crashed. And it crashed because you can't run Apple software on a PC, it just doesn't work. In the same way that you can't try over and over to live the world's values, to prioritize them in a monastery, it just doesn't work. But the good news for me is the good news for all of us, which is that you can reboot and try again. And beyond that, the better news is that you don't have to go to a monastery to crash and reboot. You just have to come here. No doubt about it, the church is far from a perfect place, St. James included, but what the church is unquestionably, I think, is a group of disciples who are committed a group of disciples who are committed to allowing themselves to be transformed through prayer and praise of God. And it is a group of disciples who know that they need accountability, accountability to live not on the world's terms, but on God's terms, which are modeled in this place week after week. And they're modeled through a shared sacramental life. They're modeled through prayer and the study of scripture, and they're modeled through missional acts that seek to reach out and meet Christ's wounds where he bleeds in others. And above all else, they're modeled through a spirit of love that flows from the cross. Dear friends in Christ, there is no shame. There's no shame in admitting that the software you're running just really isn't working. Believe me, I know. And so the invitation I hope you hear is to come, to come and reboot, Come and let your priorities be realigned. To come and find out something about what it means to live on God's terms through the things we share, through our shared sacramental life, through prayer and the study of scripture, through mission, and above all, through that self-sacrificial love that Jesus shows us oh so well. So come, come reboot, come and try again. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.